Hello and welcome to the Limited Bandwidth Podcast. We are your hosts, Leo and David, otherwise known as the folk duo The Last Inklings. Now, social media is here to stay, whether we like it or not. And uh, so as artists, we need to find a way to make it sustainable. We've got to find a way to keep some balance and stay creative. So in conversation with artists and experts in a number of fields, we're examining practical tools and suggestions for artists and audience members to maintain a healthy balance between social media and life offline in the real world. Now, in our last episode, episode three, we spoke to Dr. Sarah Hodge, uh, who's a specialist in cyber psychology. And if, like us, you want to find out what that means, definitely go back and have a listen to that last episode. Uh, It's available to listen again, along with all of the previous episodes. But as artists, certainly one of the main reasons that we're on social media, using it quite a lot, uh, is for marketing purposes. So we're co-opting this social tool into a a marketing platform and trying to figure out how best to use that time. But certainly we're online quite regularly to to tell people to come to our real world gigs, come and share a real show with us, or maybe even sell some merchandise online. Exactly. Yeah. And this this is why in this episode, uh, we've got on board a a specialist in the area. Our special guest this week is Misha Weston-Green from Transcend Digital Marketing. And there's so much to get through in this episode, so much content. Yeah, it's a huge area. <laughs> We're going to jump straight in. Hello. Hello, thank you for joining us. Ah, I'm really honoured to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so you are, um, you are involved with Transcend Marketing, if I'm not mistaken. That is right. I am the MD and co-founder, uh, along with my wife. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, we can uh, we can safely refer to you as our digital marketing expert. I am a digital marketing expert. I, <laughs> I built my first website in 1997, believe it or not. Um, it was a guitar tabs and audio file website so people could go on and like look at, find out music when the internet was starting, essentially. Amazing. Um, I did computer science and engineering at university and worked in corporate fields since 2007, 2006 in digital marketing, um, in uh, corporate level, and in agency side, and um, set up Transcend Marketing in 2013. One of the things that we were really interested in when we were trying to find someone to kind of weigh in on this side of things was, you're not just a marketing expert, you are a musician yourself. Music is, I'll be honest, and I have to keep it hidden from clients sometimes, is my true passion and love. I'll be completely honest, music is, is beautiful, as I'm sure you guys will agree. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We, we're totally on board with that, yeah. Like, yeah. First and foremost, if we could switch off all social media and just spend our time <gasps> practicing and playing, I think David would probably agree that's what we would do. Oh yeah. Live yeah. like hobbits, just <laughs> playing lutes and, and cello-looking things. We're in the wrong time, really. I think the 70s would have been good for us. I think 1750s, actually. I th- I'm going to throw back. I'm, I'm going further back, pre-deluge, <laughs> pre-Noah's flood. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but the the reason we've asked you along, really, uh, somewhat selfishly, and for our peers, our musical and creative peers, is we're trying to figure out, we've only got so much time in our days if we want to stay creative, keep some time to actually practice, play, get out and gig. There's only so much time left over to do all the social media, digital marketing stuff. We want to figure out, if we've got a limited amount of time, what can we do? Um, and so we have a heap of questions for you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would echo that sentiment. I certainly find myself rabbit holing, doom scrolling, all, all, of, <laughs> oh, all yeah, of the other right. superlatives. Why um, isn't it working? <laughs> Why haven't I got millions of people loving this thing I've put out, this beautiful piece of music? I know, I've posted it in one place with an external link and I don't know what... To, yeah, yeah, exactly that. 
Even my own family aren't liking this stuff. What's going on? Why? How? So yeah, that's that's kind of algorithm. That's the first the first hurdle, isn't it? Is to get it seen, to get the reach and the engagement, oh, and God, then the yeah. algorithms start kicking in. But that's kind of the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, but there was once upon a time we just knew everyone used that word algorithms, and no one had a clue. Um, but if we take it into a kind of reasonably structured place, yes. Uh, thinking of demographics, yes, because obviously we work in the folk sphere. And I know folk festivals is something you've done quite a lot. Yeah, we've got Perfect well. Valley Folk Festival we played at and um, uh, very much Nick Drake and John Martin. I do a lot of percussive finger style and open tuning, so I'm very au fait with um, the folk scene. So what would you, how would you define the demographic of listeners on the folk scene? Um, older. Uh, yeah, so you're talking, I'd say, 35 plus. Uh, if you want to really drill in, I mean, I'm, uh, this is off the cuff, but 35 plus. I would say pretty even Stevens, male, female demographic. Uh, yeah, no, I'd say pretty down the middle, actually. Uh, I'd say in terms of affluency, you've got to look at, um, it would be more affluent or middle class, uh, I guess you class it. I know I'm doing what's politically correct at the moment. Uh, <laughs> are we going ABC, one, two, three uh, sort of demographics? Um, yeah, I think the, uh, these are the categories that the platforms use, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm being very sort of like... Um, you know, broad stroke here. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but this is how you'd start a marketing strategy of a client. Absolutely. Uh, uh, any client, not a musical client. But you would look at your demographic and you would go, right, who are my target audience and where do they sit? Where are they on the internet? Are they reading the Financial Times? <laughs> are they reading folkweek.com? Are they on Facebook? Or do they prefer Insta? Are they more visual with what, what they are? So, yeah, it's understanding your audience and, say, Purbeck Valley Folk Festival, we're local to Bournemouth uh, uh, myself, so that's a big one. And I look at the people there and I know, oh, yeah, they're probably into arts and crafts. <laughs> um, and um, oh, they're pretty peace and love as well. They're, like, like environmental. Um, and there's all these facets that you build up a profile, a persona. I will caveat this. I haven't done any of this for my band. <laughs> and uh, I just go with the flow. But but if I was doing it for a client and being pragmatic, and we do have music clients and festivals as well, you do have to break it down like this. Because if you're putting investment into something or time resource and you're crazy busy with gigs, booking and all of this stuff, you do have to be focused and very uh, know what's worth spending time on and what's a waste of time. So, I mean... Is there a kind of stereotype that belongs with each platform? Like there's a certain age group that you'd associate with Instagram, for example, but are completely different that you'd associate with Twitter? And are they yeah. easy to separate out? Um, uh, yeah, there's always a Venn diagram overlap. Uh, you know, TikTok, for example, uh, is a lot younger audience. Uh, those kids that have been... I feel like an old man these days. I'm 38, <laughs> but like, and I'm very in with tech. Uh, I work with a lot of futuristic brands at the moment in VR, AR and the rest of it, but I'm still quite archaic. Like the kids know what's on and TikTok, whoa, whole new world. So they're the young demographic and, yeah, and short yeah. attention spans. Uh, they, want, they want high quality content, short quality content that's stupid and funny. Oh, do we go on YouTube? Is YouTube still relevant? Are people still engaging? How do you get on there? Do you go and find um, a major folk channel? Do you do YouTube advertising by Google ads? Because Google owns YouTube. So you can actually advertise via Google. Uh, I have tried that as well with the band and you can get, build up your views at a very cheap rate, maybe eight pence per view. Wow, and okay. And you can then build up analytics in the back end. Um, 
I don't know how in-depth we want to go into <laughs> the crossover between what I do with clients and actually what's realistic for a band <laughs> without like training in marketing. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is part of the problem is that it's it's that sort of balance of efficiency of, you know, a band has, has, has got other things going on in terms of the creative process. Um, and they might only have, you know, five hours a week or something to spend on the marketing industry side of it. So how, how is, you know, how are they going to best use that time available to them what platform should they concentrate on i think you you touched on a really interesting point about sort of the the older platforms being slightly more long form content and the newer platforms being like short attention span i, I hesitate to use the word throwaway content yeah. but but um like with twitter things get lost in the feed really really quickly yeah um so yeah kind of it's kind of finding your audience but also finding your platform mm. and would you say from your experience is there a platform where the conversion rate is better between like for us our drive is to have people come to see us in real life and share something in a room with us is there a particular platform where that seems to be more likely because yeah. from my experience yeah. like tiktok is a, a thing people watch and it's quite passive yes facebook's <laughs> a way for me personally because you can set up events yeah uh, you can engage with people you can share content and and it and it has a good shareability algorithm whereas like instagram is very focused on images and faces mm. and it's it's not so much you can't even drop links in and like show external content and on facebook doesn't like it and they're all very biased like don't bother sharing youtube videos on facebook you'll get no reach they won't share it upload your video to Facebook videos on And then the it's page. organic to Facebook, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then go, and they're like, oh, this is fresh content on Facebook. <laughs> We're going to push it more. So that's tip number one you've heard today. I hope, uh, that that was absolutely Amazing. something people were talking to us about. I mean, we mm. had a conversation with someone online. They were saying, it's telling me that native content is going to do better, but yes. I don't know what that means. There's so <laughs> many of these buzzwords that yes. the marketing professionals are using, and it's trying to demystify It's confusing, isn't it? It, it is, can, yeah. yeah. You can but get lost. In that case, they just meant, upload it direct to Facebook. Exactly that. Um, uh, because that's, uh, you be Facebook becomes the parent owner of that content and becomes the place to be. So if an uh, up-and-coming musician posts that content, it's like, ah, oh, we sort of own this. We, we were the seed of this. Um, yeah, we, we came to understand it that essentially... Facebook doesn't want you to leave Facebook. Why on earth would it share an external <laughs> link to a site like YouTube yeah. that it's not affiliated? Major global competitor, because when it comes down to it, everything funnels to very few companies at the top yeah. and very few yeah. uh, invested interests. Mm. Thus, they're all in competition with each other. There's not much collaborative working. I think historically, we've, um, we've certainly pointed everything back towards our website just because that's that's kind of where you'd want people to funnel people in order to communicate with them through a newsletter or something like that. Is that still the case with, with the sort of new newer generation of platforms? It's funny because clients, all our clients, we're, we're, we develop and we launch two, three websites a month for our clients. It's key, it's their shop front online. For musicians and for mus uh, music, it's not so much the case, it's more of a social community mm. that you're trying to build a, a facade that you're popular and there's a buzz, whereas a website is very functional and singular, so you've got a single user going into that and interacting with it, whereas social media creates more of a buzz, a community. So there is a place for a website. We have a website, we have an online EPK as well, which is important. Okay. So you can build your own electronic press kit. Yes. Um, with all your key assets for promoters to show, oh, these guys look pretty professional. 
So it's also good to have a website to show you're credible, you've got good reputation, if mm. nothing else. Absolutely. That's pretty much why we have a website. <laughs> we do have people go on there and we've got a gigs list that we update regularly, weekly, week to week. But I don't look at my analytics. I use Google Analytics, which is a free tool, which allows you to see where users come from. Oh, we've had 10 people from Facebook go to our website or we've had people search for Misha and his merry men onto Google and come to our website that way. So you can be very analytical if there's anyone out there listening to this who does want to get into Google Analytics. If you do have a website, install it, it's free. Sign up with a Google account or um, you can do it with an Outlook account or something, but Google Analytics, good tip. Yeah. It's good. It's interesting to see where your people come from and see if your website's even relevant. <laughs> see, I get, I don't know, we get like 20 visits a week. That's nothing really. Um, but on Facebook, I know I get 2,000. If I make a post, I might get a reach of 2,000 people saw that content. Mm, yeah. My website got one person a day. You know, it's that sort of... But but I might be wrong. Some bands or some... Uh, it might be different. Or maybe you can create a buzz. You can create a shop front. We want to sell merch. What's your, what's your objectives? I guess if you really want to get to the nitty-gritty of a marketing strategy for a band, you've got to <laughs> set a marketing strategy up. Now... From there, we we know one of these other kind of buzzwords that we see a lot is people talking about content pillars and content strategies, which for the uninitiated means, and certainly to us, meant absolutely nothing, nothing at all. Uh, we were talking about different kinds of content that did well and when to post them, scheduling, all of this stuff, and it does start to just become noise. Um, but clearly you can dispel some of that for us. Yes, uh, well, content's important and it's, un it's good to understand what your audience, uh, we've spoken about um, your target audience, the different target audience like different content, uh, they digest it in different ways, uh, whether that be video, whether that's reading, whether that's short content, whether that's explosive content, gentle content, uh, sentiment of the content, whether it's ethical, whether it's left wing, right wing, whatever it may be, uh, you've got to understand your audience to, um, to create a content strategy, uh, 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 an idea of, uh, and what's what's available to you as an artist, as content. Like, do you have someone videoing your gigs? Do you record yourself at home or in rehearsals? Uh, do you um, do you have a photographer? Is uh, Do you have band photos? Is there, um, so is, uh, do you do podcasts? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of a case of what stuff do we already have not lying around, but kind of in the bank. Yeah. Without it being forced. Yeah, because, I mean, we said, but it's like, it's very hard. Life's constant, especially as an artist. There's so many moving cogs, booking gigs, talking to headline acts that you're supporting. And, you know, there's so many, ah! And you leave everything that you need to market yourself. It's left at the last doors to promote yourself, really, quite often, because it's lower priority. It's not firefighting so um it's what's achievable and attainable so if you've got stuff in the bank great but also what's easy to do is there something you can be more proactive with and go oh, actually i've got a lovely garden i can go out and sit by a tree and do a weekly here's my new song or here's my new tuning mm. here's my yeah. whatever it may be yeah that's a great tip actually to kind of make the most of, of what's already at your fingertips um so that you can sort of maximize it and not not waste you know disproportionate amount of time kind of setting up something that's that's not particularly authentic maybe definitely yeah yeah work work with you i'm, I'm a great believer of the universe and mother earth and bringing everything you need 
as and when you have it uh, in in paradise. Um, and that might just be a tree or a flower in the garden, or it might be a room in your house that you feel really good resonance, like my bathroom. Amazing with all the tiles. I love just sitting almost on the toilet and, 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 and doing videos in there. There's something about musicians in bathrooms, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the acoustic can be just absolutely super. <laughs> so if we've got that content or it's something that we can look to create reasonably easily, because it's stuff we're doing all the time, like David's basically just volunteered himself as a great riff player to make all those videos for us, right? <laughs> Excellent. We'll absolutely. talk about that later. <laughs> um, how do we start to tie that down into a calendar in a way that makes sense to help us keep on top of it? Is there like a good guide for that? Yes, yeah, spreadsheets. Oh, love a spreadsheet. Yeah, um, uh, Google Sheets. Uh, if you've not got Office Suite, I, I love Excel, but but actually, yeah, Google Sheets on Google Drive. Very easy, column and row sort of system. Just note the, the dates every day by day and even on the columns, each platform, and just write a note. Oh, on Tuesday, I'm going to post this video and I'm going to post it on these platforms. And it might be one of the platforms doesn't allow video. And so you don't post it on their Twitter or whatever it is. It's not relevant, but it might not be relevant to your audience. So, But once you've defined that, yes, use a spreadsheet and be methodical, plan ahead. And, and you can on a lot of these platforms schedule posts as well. So ah, you, you, you can get ahead. Now, I don't practice what I preach, but all these are definitely things you should be doing. They're tools, aren't they? Yes, They're tools, tools that you can use. To be more efficient because there's there's busy times, like for a lot of musicians, that's the summer, mm -hmm. um, or it might be the weekend in a more micro environment. Yeah. So on a Monday or a Tuesday, once you've got over the hangover, so you might, oh, the weekends or whatever it may be, the hecticness, you can on a Tuesday, right, Tuesday morning, I'm always free. I'm twiddling my thumbs, right, let's, let's schedule my calendar for the next week and schedule the posts on Facebook. Um, and then I don't have to worry about it. It's just going to pop out. And then I can see, oh, what's what, what got the best traction? Is that something that you'd recommend as like uh, something specific to an album release cycle, for example? Or is it more of a kind of a, an evergreen content that, that you're always putting out? Yeah, I think... Um, I think it'd be difficult to schedule months in advance um, for like an album release and like go, all right, uh, you can plan in that way though. And you should plan in that way. You should be pragmatic. Again, I don't practice what I preach. We've got two EP releases out and I have no plan of action really other than firefighting, doing, oh, we're going to do a music video now. Quickly, let's do this and that. But really what I should have done a year ago is plan this out on a spreadsheet, project management. Ah, basics yeah. <laughs> basics and scheduling make sure people are available way in advance because everyone's hectic now the pandemic's over everyone's like i want to do this that and the other <laughs> i've got no time for anything so you've got to be very plan yeah all of that organization focused. helps with like uh, the variety of posts as well because that, that's something that i've sort of struggled with in the past is reconciling okay if i'm posting lots about the same thing um, my audience is going to get bored with that so yeah, the, the organisation to kind of schedule in different kinds of posts. Oh yeah, keeping it interesting, I think has been a key thing for us, definitely. I mean, like we touched on TikTok, this idea that, I mean, that platform might need you to post some ridiculous number of times a day, let alone in a week. If I'm scheduling for uh, the other platforms like Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, is there any kind of logic to how often, how frequently I should post or what kind of content I should post on what rotation? Definitely is, yes. Um, 
as you said, you don't want to bore your audience with the same sort of content. And there are times of day and days of the week that are more relevant to engagement, um, i.e. lunch times, before work, in during the week, Monday to Friday, or in Friday afternoons, don't bother, no one's about. Catch people early on a Friday morning on Insta. You, you'll start to pick up these patterns and you can use the packages if you've got professional pages to actually use the insights and analytics and it will tell you when you had most success and you can trial this. So you build your calendar, you build your schedule, you implement it and then you see if it, see what worked and what didn't. And that includes what type of content and what sort of assets. Um, what I do is categorise different sorts of assets. So I've got like flashback stuff, throwback stuff, sort of like, uh, oh, this is what we were doing five years ago. Is a photo from then. That's cool. I've got um, help help other like our community of bands. So ah, oh, this is our favourite artist locally. I'll do something like that, and that's collaborative. So that mm. helps. It's called ego baiting in the marketing world because then they go, oh, they've mentioned me. Oh, look at this. I see. Misha and his main yeah. men have mentioned so and so. So that's another tactic. But, but you yeah. keep it diverse, and you will quickly build up using the analytics packages what's worth and what's not. So is there a, a reasonable timescale that I might want to be doing this reflection on? Uh, do you think it's you, something I would be able to see over the course of a week or is this like a month, a couple of months? Yeah, you need data. Data, hard data. The more data you can get, the better. Um, they say like um, you need at least 100 instances of something before you can pick out a pattern because if if one of those instances convert to your objective, that's a 1% conversion rate. Mm. So all right, and then you start to see... Like if if you'd let it be 101 and someone had suddenly converted, oh, that sort of did work, but you've missed it. So if you, <laughs> if you only have 10, 10 instances or 10 days of data, yeah. it's not enough to see a pattern, especially with um, micro-seasonality within a month and even within a year, depending on what's going on in the world okay. and the weather, yeah. stuff like that. So you, in answer to your question in short... I would always leave it three months. That would give you okay. a real good data set because you've got a quarter of the year then uh, and within that you've got 90 days and that's closing in on 100. So you can start to see there's, um, uh, what would it be, five times three, 15, 16, 17 Mondays. So you can see 17 Mondays worth of data, give or take. Yeah, that, that, that gives you the confidence to say, okay, this is definitely a trend that's happening. I can Trends, yeah, exactly. I, I can use this. <laughs> you got it. Now, I mean, we wanted to drill down into some like proper hints and tips that you could use to really focus what you're doing. So we've got an idea that we should schedule everything. Yes. Reflect on that occasionally, have some different contact types so there's something to reflect on. So we've got that data there. Yes. Um, What's your opinion on hashtags? Yeah. Hashtags, uh, good old hashtags. I love hashtags. Um, I used to despise hashtags. Uh, they were everything I hated about the internet. But actually, <laughs> um, no, hashtags are very good. Uh, it's a way of uh, categorizing data. It's a way of telling algorithms and people uh, what's, what this data is about and what it's relevant for. Um, certainly on Insta is the major hashtagger. Uh, really, but Facebook does use hashtags. Okay. Um, uh, uh, not as openly, and it, it's uh, I use them almost as an aesthetic uh, now. Yeah. But 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 you can. Um, but they do work because um, uh, uh, it highlights them by by uh, but because it brings out. It's like bolding text on an email. I am really bold. Really annoyed 
it's like, oh, hashtag really annoyed. You know, it's that sort of thing. But but in terms of algorithms and, mm. and the usage of them, definitely on Insta. I've seen people get big on Insta by using relevant hashtags. And you can use tools online. So if you type into Google something like um, hashtag, best hashtags to use tool, something like that, you'll find a load of online free tools where you can type in um, folk music UK and see how many people roughly you get finger in the air but oh this is used a thousand times a month and then you and you might go folk music or it might be uh, oh Nick Drake oh that's actually really good because I'm doing a Nick Drake style song mm, and I can see yeah. that's the best one rather than going after brighter be- uh, brighter later or whatever his album see, was yeah. so you can start to pick out which hashtags are going to give you the biggest visibility yes yeah, so it's kind of like uh, almost linking your posts to, to what's relevant in a, in a networking yeah. way. Yeah, so like in, in terms of like the Venn diagram, the various groupings, it's like, oh, I'm part of this group and your content will be shown to the feeds of people within this grouping. Can, can you overdo it? Can you add too many hashtags? Never. 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 <laughs> I, I, oh, okay. I, 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 it depends. You don't want your content to not be readable, but what people yes, do on Insta, yeah. where they'll write their post and then they'll do dot, 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 and right at the bottom there'll be a big block, a cloud of uh, hashtags. So it's, it's sort of in the background It's almost. in the background. Yeah. Uh, personally, and this is my own personal thing, I, I weave hashtags into my content. Okay. Uh, and do it that way. Yeah. Um, but that is uh, trademarked, by the way, people. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you can copy me. It's a great compliment to be copied. But um, no, you can do whatever rolls for you. Um, I sound very controlling there, actually. Awesome. That's a great <laughs> yeah, tip. We're all peace and love here. <laughs> okay, so hashtags are a useful thing, on Insta especially. Insta especially. Um, I think Facebook, is it more of a keyword thing that it picks up on? Yeah, it's that sort of keyword. But it's still grouping, it's still tagging. Um, and, and you can tag in a slightly different way on Facebook. If you upload a video, it will ask you, a bit like on YouTube as well, right. will say well, what, what, what tags are relevant. It's not a hashtag, it's actually a tag. Mm. And there's a f- whole field that you actually plonk it into and, and they give you suggestions for what is the best. So folk, metal, rock, whatever it may be. What about when we move over to Twitter with that? I mean, because obviously we've got limited space. How does the hashtag strategy work in that kind of environment? Um, uh, it's its own thing, isn't it? It's its yeah. own thing. It's very <clears throat> reactive content and it's very good for industry. So if you want, really, if you want to start, interact with industry heads, follow those industry heads. become Because you can very quickly become part of the conversation on Twitter and people can, if you're making good points, mm, people yeah. will see it. Hey, yeah. at so-and-so. So, so it, it's, I, I, as far as I know, I, I think they do use hashtags, right, on Twitter? Yeah. But it's more for like, yeah, for, for uh, actually hashtags are really important on Twitter because it goes even into those feeds, a bit like on Reddit, mm. uh, it categorises. So actually, yeah, it's a very much a hashtag system, probably more so than even, even Instagram and um, Facebook. It's just an interesting one because we found it's not always been the best tool to advertise gigs. That's no, like you said, it's more of a conversational space, and it's difficult to generate a conversation when you're telling people, "Please buy tickets." Yeah, for something, something gets lost <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah. I joke that my email is like a Twitter feed, but things get lost <laughs> immediately. So it's just um, it's getting that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that that uh, has come up with with our own conversations with other artists and and industry professionals has been. Um, sort of the the difference between uh, an old school methodology of advertising a tour, 
if you're you know releasing something um where you'd you'd use kind of pr marketing uh, but today the landscape is very different so many people are using digital advertising as kind of the core element of of their release mm. um what what are your your sort of thoughts on that, and and how would you best leverage that? If Misha and his merry men were a client of Transcend, I'd be like, right, you need to get on Facebook ads, yeah, you need to get on Twitter ads, yeah, get on YouTube ads with your strategy and your social calendar and all this great content. You want to push that out, I guess. Uh, for us personally, you've got to really have good content, and 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 you need a third party to tell you if it's truly good. And I'm talking like a an A&R person or an industry, just someone yeah, to yeah. be critical. And, second opinion. Second opinion, because yeah. I've always thought every bit of music for the last 15 years, even the first song I ever wrote as a 20-year-old, it's the best song ever. Honestly, this should be at the top <laughs> of the charts. I now look back at it, I'm like, this is horrendous. And I'm so glad I didn't have social media to post this That's up on. That's a great point, yeah, because we're often too close to it. We, we <laughs> yeah, don't know, we're too, blind right? to it, yeah. So before you advertise something, see if it works organically so ah you test it out at gigs oh okay everyone does love this song okay let's invest some money in this song to get a proper videographer in let's do this professionally with your logo so it's constant so everyone knows the band name or the artist name it looks professional and your website across the board make the most of that opportunity if you're going to invest some money especially in advertising <laughs> don't let it be a, um, a lead donkey or whatever they call it lead balloon <laughs> It's that consistency, isn't it? Like you say, that branding consistency really has to come through. Professional and 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 also, you can't polish a turd. Like I never used to be a, a good singer. I'm still learning my trade. I'm a brilliant guitarist, but like, and I always knew that when my singer. I used to sound like a scratching a cat across a whiteboard, <laughs> um, but I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> so it's it's dangerous if you start pumping yourself out there because you can actually damage your reputation a little bit. So before you have it, you should advertise once you've got a great product and you're confident and you've had enough people, you've got 2,000 odd followers or whatever and you know people are into what you're doing. Mm. One of the things that a lot of people are thinking about at the moment, kind of in our sphere that we know well, folk musicians, acoustic musicians, is this has been, it's felt like a sudden change. The pandemic shifted everything for us. It feels very much like things have gone online. We still want to encourage people out into the real world, but you've only just got these people waking up to this idea that, oh my God, I need to somehow co-opt the social platform to be a marketing platform. And now, if we were imagining that we had a tour coming up in three months' time, uh, and you know, this is the first time we've really opened our eyes to the fact that actually we need to meet people online in this, this tour advertising it, what would be your key recommendations if I'm kind of, you know, I'm almost up against it. Three months isn't far away and I want to start selling tickets. Mm. Where would I go using social platforms and marketing, like digital marketing in this case? Yeah, it's, it's very tricky. And I know a lot of touring artists at the moment we've either supported or I've, I, I just know of um, are having a lot of trouble selling tickets in advance. People are a lot more reactive. Um, firstly, Oh, I might get ill. I'm, I've had to cancel so many gigs because uh, I can't get to that show or cost of living or used to being inside. And it's quite nice, actually. I just watch it on a live stream or watch them on YouTube, actually. I feel quite anxious about going out, not quite up for it. And I know a lot of artists are, who are on tour are struggling. In answer to your question, where do I go? I think, I think Facebook ads are good. And provided you've got something explosive to promote and go... 
this is what happened last time. Look at this. Or, or this is what we're doing. This is our latest single. Or this is what you can expect to see. Mm. And do it via paid advertising because organic's never going never gonna to reach the people. And, if you, and without going down the rabbit hole of advertising, you need to know your personas going back to the start. You need to know your target audience very well. What pages are they viewing? If you're an ethical folk band, target Greenpeace followers who are based... And if, you're based, if your major base of fans are in the South, target the South only. And, or maybe you're going up North and you need to expose yourself there, do a big campaign, put a few thousand into it. I mean, if you're in the touring, you, touring act, you need to be starting putting levels of four figures into your advertising. Yeah, that's, that, that sort of budget would previously have been spent on, on sort of classical PR work, wouldn't yeah. it? So it's doing that job for you. It's networking as well and getting people to work for you. Uh, that's what I've also found. You can't do it on your own when you get to that next step. We've talked more about, I feel, startup acts. You mm. know, when you're starting off, how do you get yourself going? But actually, it's relevant for bigger acts, established acts who want to get worldwide or want to get a European tour, want to go to the next level. You've you've got to advertise yourself uh, uh, properly. And when it gets to that point, that's when you start needing to hire help. Get a professional PR firm, professional advertising agency. Get um, get get a mate that you know is very skilled at project management or social media, and hire them. So it's, oh, your mate's out of work because it's hard at the moment. No one's out. Oh well, I'll pay you fifteen quid an hour to do this. Yes, I'm I've I'm going into my savings, or maybe you can't even afford it. But try and plan your life so you will need to do you will need to do that to get to the next level you have to invest bloody hard as um, excuse the french for musicians um because we, we don't have any money it's not profitable <laughs> venues can't pay us what we need <laughs> planning and, doesn't come naturally yeah, does it? <laughs> so, yeah it's a it's a slightly interesting one on that front because trying to balance the the budget is always going to be interesting there but i suppose the other thing that we think about quite a lot is even if we had someone else doing this for us we still have to provide the content for them to use True. in the promotion so yeah. there is still that element there yeah, yeah. as we, much as i'd like someone to ghostwrite every video and everything <laughs> oh, we ever do it'd be brilliant wouldn't it <laughs> just get a robot to go and do your beautiful music and uh and singing uh, is that them uh <laughs> So any quality deep fake artists out there? <laughs> yes, deep fake algorithms are pretty efficient. Maybe that is the most efficient way to multiply ourselves to get stuff done. <laughs> that might be the future of it. You never know. <laughs> I think uh, there's a Japanese thing that already does that. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Oh, dear. Even the voice is artificially created. So, are we even uh, here now? Who's oh, to say? Meta. Who's to say? I mean, if we were going to summarise some points as well. So... Um, Let's do a really easy one. I'm posting on Facebook. What would be your top points to make that a successful post? Be focused and to the point. Don't make it too waffly. Um, include engaging content that's either video or a face, a photo. Um, yep. And post at the right times of the day and week to capitalise and piggyback off high levels of user traffic on whatever channel that will be. And the way you will know that is either research it on Google or use analytics or insight software which are provided by the platforms. And as we touched on earlier, try and avoid certain things like external links in that post. Yeah, external links, they hate. 
Keep it native, as you say. Native, keep it native. So not sharing my YouTube videos on Facebook. Sadly not, even though they're absolutely brilliant. It really annoys me. Bear that one in mind. Uh, and if... I want my YouTube visits to go up as well. Oh, well, this course. is the frustration. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. do I get people over to oh, YouTube? I've got like 50 there. views on this. I look pathetic. This is brilliant content. Why aren't people watching this Facebook? <laughs> is it, do, you, do you find it's, is it better to concentrate on what, on maybe two or three of these platforms rather than try and do all of them at once? I think it's good to have a diverse portfolio. Um, and to be everywhere because some everyone's so diverse and people mm. are different demographics and ages. Uh, it depends what your music is. This goes back to the personas. Yes, so it might yeah. be, yeah, no one under 25 really uses YouTube. Well, they do actually. But but like these are the things you need to find out. Uh, but I, uh, as a merry men, we're very diverse. We're multi-genre, 48 members. Uh, so we can be on everywhere because there is a place for everyone. But wow, yeah. It does It does vary uh, and you should focus efforts if you haven't got the time. If you've got the time, uh, what do they say? There's a thing, throw some, throw muck at a wall and see what sticks. <laughs> yep. You've got, to test, you've got to test it, yeah. yeah. yeah and absolutely. that's what allows us to go back, reflect and see what, what is working for us on our channel with our demographic. This is good. Uh, we said as well, Instagram, if we were going to post their faces and content that encourages curiosity reels reels Re are okay. big at the moment they've um, there's a big thing like photo content is not getting served up as much so it's got to be a bit, they've gone more tiktok does that cross over into facebook with the facebook reels not so much facebook seems to still like pictures of faces okay they've stayed true to their their ethos ah, that's interesting yeah, yeah yeah okay so reels on instagram uh Twitter is a dark art that we find that in most <laughs> cases anyway. Um, Some people do it so well and they get so much out of it. I think people willing to be very authentically controversial on Twitter seem to do well. <laughs> if all the people that we see being quite controversial. Well. It is a controversial platform. Mm. Yeah, especially with uh, Elon Musk at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's some great news there. Uh, well, here's maybe a slightly interesting one. If, um, if we wanted to augment this unreal reality online and advertising that way with things in the real world beyond social media as someone with that background in marketing would there be recommendations from you for other places to go how else would you do it how else would i do it uh you could you could do the old keyword way through google um mm -hmm. i don't actually know if anyone such oh what fancy going to a gig locally <laughs> or you could go if someone people do google big bands so frank turner say yeah in the folk folk rock punk sphere if, uh, we're quite like that anyone searching frank turner you could do a google ad so it appears mm. at the top if you like frank turner check out misha and his merry men I've never tried that. I might do that, actually. Uh, okay, yeah, so keywords. You could bid on yeah. the term Frank Turner, so they're you appear at the top of Google. Yeah, the, just below the search. Mm. They're the ones that appear at the top. Right at the top, yeah. yeah. I've seen them, but I, yeah, it's, that's interesting. Like, if I was to buy Nike shoes, you'd see, <laughs> like, JD Sports and everything come yeah. up right up at the top on ads. Yeah. And the organic listings and map listings and all the other universal content. Mm. So you could do that. Um, an interesting one, now this is quite futuristic, we tried to be the first ever band in history to do the Cypress Hill beat us to it. I'm very good friends with um, the guys at Decentraland, okay. which is, um, you'll notice maybe mana cryptocurrency, but it's a virtual reality. In fact, um, their state went up when the metaverse was released. It's the same thing, Facebook's, but Decentraland okay. was the first one. Okay. So actually, I think, was it Atari have just um, invested into them? 
Um, but we had some land in there, which is like these crypto blocks, basically, but virtuality. And we we're going to have those little plugs attached to us and play the first gig over the pandemic. Right at the start of the pandemic is April 2020, just before Cypress Hill did that. <laughs> there's a club called the Tube Bar in virtual reality land. Yeah. So I think a lot more is going to go like that because I, I don't know, I think virtual reality is going to become big. So actually, gigs might even become a bit of a thing of the past. I know that's, that's not what yeah. you asked for, but that that's is... both fascinating and scary yeah, at the same time, isn't it? Slightly terrifying. <laughs> it's very terrifying, but I, and I don't want life to go that way at all, but I'm just saying that is one thing. But in answer to your question, any other routes, any coherent routes... It is blimmin' hard. I think you. I mean, need... do you think traditional print media has still got its place against the reach of digital marketing? <laughs> oh, for music, does it? Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I tell you what, the best way I found to sell tickets for a gig: call someone up, be personal, and and be like, I know, I know, this this isn't scalable for a large band, but if you're trying to make it on that mm. first step, it's actually yeah, engaged. Hey, mate, how are you doing? Like, oh, we've got this really big gig because we had a gig at the O2. We need to sell 150, 200 tickets. And I'm so busy. I was like, I got to like three months. I was like, oh, I haven't really sold any. It's just after the pandemic. And best way, I that literally one-to-one marketing, if you want, but also mm. not even marketing, just being a mate. And oh, how are you? Have a chat. Oh, by the way, we're doing this. Would you fancy going? Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, the per- uh, the personal touch is still really important, even in, like in the in the deep dark places of the internet of yeah. like digital marketing. It's it's all pointing back to to being personal and connecting yeah. with your audience, isn't Definitely. it? Definitely, yeah. and that isn't isn't scalable. But if you're talking about and, and I think we are really talking about that level of artists that are sort of getting into the game, they want to build their presence and social media. You do have to get down to the open mic nights. You got to talk to the community, go and hang around for their gig. And, and do gig swaps and build a community. It's all about community. And that's what the Merry Men are about, is building that community. And that's helped us personally. But Amazing. Yeah. Really, that brings us towards the end of what we've got time to squeeze in, which is a shame because there is so much that I could keep excavating <laughs> uh, just for my own interest. I mean, you said we could do a bit of a deep dive into all of the marketing stuff, and I would absolutely love to do that. Uh, it's been fantastic having you here to share this with us. Thank you so much for being our, our guest on the podcast. It's been a true honour. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find out more about you, your marketing and your music? Oh, yeah, here we go. A bit of traditional marketing. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Well, uh, we run Transcend Marketing, which is transcend-marketing.co.uk. It's a very old site. I haven't touched it in six years because we're mainly word of mouth, even though we work with Blue Chip and some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, It's just the way it's worked out. But you can check us out there and on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. If you want to follow us, bring that up. (laughs) Uh, but the main thing really I care about at the moment is Misha and his Merry Men, a.k.a. the Merry Many. We're a collective of musicians spreading peace, love and joy around the world. We give everything we make back to charities, local charities like Dorset Children's Foundation, Teddy 20, Diverse Abilities, uh, Boo Charity and many others. We've got Greenpeace and the Green Party as well. Great stuff. Um, so like, uh, yeah, it's Misha and his Merry Men uk or go and find Misha's Merry Men on Facebook or type into the search Misha and his Merry Men with an amphisan. Um and uh, <laughs> yeah you'll find us we're on YouTube we're on Spotify we're on Amazon we're on all those places we're everywhere because you need to be uh, what would be a top resource if you could say I'm starting out in social media marketing I want to market my band if you could point me towards one amazing resource what would it be a good one just it's not quite the answer but Linktree 
So you know Linktree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a good one because we have that on Insta on our on our on our profile. Like, oh, if you want to know everything about us, what okay. you just asked, go to our Linktree, which is on our Instagram. Yeah. Click one link. Next gig, buy tickets. Every one of our social profiles. We're we're also got a charity single out at the moment, mm. and, and and that's actually that's actually what we've got on Linktree. Oh, that's part that's, of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And we've got ten items, so you can find everything there. It's a centralised place. So that's probably m- big old tip. At that's, a great, that's a great resource. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So excellent. Thank you very much again, Misha, for, for being our guest uh, in this podcast. Um, our guest in the next episode of the series will be Nicola Neath, who is a specialist counsellor bringing us a range of tips to look after our mental health. And uh, this has been the Limited Bandwidth podcast, hosted, recorded and engineered by Leo and David with music by The Last Inklings. Woo! <laughs> and you can find out more about The Last Inklings at thelastinklings.co.uk.